Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I have two very special guests, Miss Stephanie and Emily of Breast Moms. How are you ladies? Thank you so much for having us. We're doing great. We're so, so excited to be on here with you to chat to another mama and be able to talk to other moms who are listening around the world. This is so exciting. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, I was on like one of the top podcasts in Iran or some Middle Eastern country. And I was like, wow, like it's amazing that it's global. So that's awesome to kind of have these conversations. So let's jump into breast moms. Why don't you each, Stephanie, Emily, whichever one wants to go first, kind of discuss a little little bit about your family life. We'll keep it brief. Um, motherhood journeys, and then we'll jump right into your inspiration behind creating Breast Moms. So my name is Emily. Like Nicole had mentioned at the beginning, I have been married to my husband for almost five years this April. I am a mom of one baby girl. She's 13 months old, and I'm currently pregnant with baby number two. And it was a big, big surprise for me, even though I wasn't on birth control. So that's the funny part, right? And truly, I had an amazing birth experience with my first child. I did hire a doula and had a great support system. My husband, my doula, my obstetrician. It was just really great. And that's one of the many inspirations for me for breast moms. And one of the things that took me by surprise in my motherhood journey is that even though I had taken breastfeeding classes, how to take care of a newborn, all of those things, it really hit me rough. Once I went home, I didn't have the nurses there with me. We had a really tough beginning with breastfeeding, you know, the cracked nipples, you name it, we had it. And so I feel like that's one of the things that has, you know, made me really want to help other moms and encourage other moms in their journey. And of course, you already know lack of sleep as a first time mom, you don't know what the heck you're doing. Why is my baby crying at 3am and I can't stop it. So yeah, I feel like my motherhood journey started out really rocky, really rough. But as time has gone on, I've learned, I've relaxed a little bit, I feel like I'm easing more into it now, for sure. That's awesome. Stephanie, what about you? So, well, hi, I'm Stephanie. Thank you uh, for having us here. I have also been married for five years. I also have a 13-month-old. Her name is Miranda, and Emily's daughter is Chloe. Miranda and Chloe are only two days apart. Uh, (laughs) And it wasn't planned because we weren't friends. Like, we we knew each other, but we weren't friends before. Which we'll talk about how you guys met. We will talk about how you guys met, but go ahead and Stephanie, talk a little bit more, and then we'll get into how you ladies came together. Awesome. So our pregnancy was also a little bit of a surprise, even though we had decided to start trying, but it was like the first month we decided to start trying, I got pregnant. And it was so funny because the doctor told me that it was going to take like a year, year and a half. And I'm like, okay, so let's do it now because I want to be a mom by the time I'm 30. (laughs) And I got pregnant as soon as I started trying. So I have my 13 month old and also like Emily, like my breastfeeding journey was very rough at the beginning. When I was in the hospital, what uh, it happened to me, I don't know if you know anything about like the crisis of the second day. 
it's just like the second day babies start to realize like that they're no longer in their safe space in your womb so they they want just to be near you like nursing the whole day whole night like like feeding after feeding they are not at calm unless they're with you Mm -hmm. so I thought like oh I'm not producing enough milk because all she wants to do is nurse and well the nurses in the hospital they tried to help me and they told me to give her formula which I did and I regret it now but I didn't know at the time so well after I got home I talked to a lactation consultant I realized like it was just part of the breastfeeding process and she gave me the confidence to trust my body and trust myself I think that's what made the difference for me with my breastfeeding journey I started trusting that I could produce enough milk for my baby and I stopped complimenting with formula like after just like I guess it was like three days but for me those three days were like rough so yeah my breastfeeding journey wasn't easy at the beginning it's not natural to many moms Mm -hmm. so I think that's also one of the inspirations behind breast moms yeah it's funny you know this is now my 34th conversation and when we do talk about breastfeeding there is the, the majority of the time where it doesn't come naturally. And I think having these conversations to kind of normalize not only breastfeeding, but normalize the process with breastfeeding, because I think we do see when women are like, my son is three. So he's older than your two girls. I breastfed for two years. And I had the struggle in the beginning as well, just like you, Emily, where I wasn't producing enough because I put so much pressure. So the mentality wasn't there. There's so much, you know, obviously hindsight 2020. So I also had to supplement with formula and I was devastated. And then finally, when I let go and -hmm. surrendered and I'm like, look, I I gotta, I gotta just go with it. Then I was a producing machine. Then, you know, we stopped with the formula and then I went back to work and then I became a pumping machine and then I would breastfeed him to sleep. That was like our time. And I did it for two years and I never thought that that was going to be possible. So it's just funny to me how everyone, majority of the time it starts with some kind of struggle. And I think having these conversations is important to let women know it's okay. It's going to be, it's not going to be magic in the beginning and just work towards it and it'll come. It'll come. Um, So now go into how you ladies met. So we actually know each other because our husbands have been friends since they were little. So both of our husbands played tennis Mm -hmm. for the majority of their lives. My husband played in college and he was a college athlete and that was his thing. And so when he was little, he was all about tennis. His life was his tennis friends, his tennis life, everything. Mm -hmm. And so they met each other there and they were really close. When I mean close, sleeping over each other's houses consistently. Mm -hmm. And I actually lived, I was her husband's neighbor when Mm -hmm. I was little back in Venezuela. So it all ties together in a really crazy little bundle. That's like um, a serendipitous, serendipitous like little thing to wear. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. And so once we got married, I, I knew that, that Steph was David's wife. That's her husband's name. And I was like, okay, cool. But, you know, when we invited them to the wedding, it was more like inviting David really because we didn't really know (laughs) Seth and so when she came to her wedding you know when it's your wedding night you're distracted you're meeting people sometimes at your wedding unfortunately but it wasn't really like we hit it off incredibly it wasn't anything special I think I met you at your wedding did you Oh, no, 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 no. we we met at another friend's wedding (laughs) like two weeks prior to mine 
And then when we saw each other on mine, it was, it was kind of weird. It was just like, oh, hey, hey, you again, you know, kind of weird. <laughs> and then when we found out we were pregnant at the same time, I think I posted it on Instagram that I was pregnant. And just a few weeks later, two or three weeks later, you had posted. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I'm telling my husband. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is so exciting. Oh, my gosh, like, we're gonna be pregnant at the same time, blah, blah, blah. But then at the same time, we're not really friends. So mm-hmm. how is this gonna work? <laughs> yeah. And so we ended up going to dinner, the two of us, the four of us, I mean, went to dinner, and we really hit it off. We were chatting like we knew each other mm-hmm. for a really long time. And just, you know, talking about pregnancy struggles, family struggles, everything. And so I think from then on, yeah, it was just natural. Like we were talking every day. And we still do. (laughs) We still talk every single day. And I think we just got so close at the beginning when we first had our babies. We literally would chat. You know, you're up a lot in the middle of the night. And so when I would be up 2 a.m., whenever it was, I'd be texting Steph. I'm like, I know she's awake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are you doing feeding the baby? What are you doing feeding the baby? And so we just got so close the end of our pregnancy and then towards the beginning of those you know rough months and then our friendship has blossomed now we have breast moms together so it's not only you know our friendship but business together so it's really great I know obviously you guys came together but whose idea was it to create breast moms and tell us the the mission the purpose behind what it stands for I think it was you. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, I wanted to create like a mommy village for a long time, like because I realized how important it was to have a friend there for you like 24 mm-hmm. seven. So I was like, should I ask Emily if she wants to do it? And I asked my husband, like, do you think Emily will <laughs> want to do it? And then I talked to Emily and said, yes, let's do it. So we open up the page, I think it was in April, but we didn't start posting until June. Mm -hmm. So we were just thinking about it, what can we do with it? And then we started posting in June Mm -hmm. and it has grew like a lot. And Mm -hmm. and we really love our community and we have followers who have become our friends. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing to see like how we can support like other women going through the same things or motherhood struggles, breastfeeding struggles. It's just amazing. What are your guys' backgrounds? what is your profession nothing to do with (laughs) which is usually the case my background is in criminal justice so I graduated from the University of Florida in 2015 go Gators yeah go Gators and I graduated with my criminal justice field and then realized to get into the field I kind of had to have a master's Mm -hmm. so I went back to school but did it online because I was working full-time so I was doing school and I was working full time and I graduated with my degree, I think in 2017. And right after, I think a few months after I started working in the field with teenagers oh, wow. in the criminal justice field, I loved it. It, it was a really intense job mentally mm-hmm. because you're dealing with people that have troubled families, troubled backgrounds. And it can be a lot on you, especially because I feel like I'm, I'm a very empathetic person and I tend to feel a lot. And, you know, in those jobs, you can't really do more than your role, unfortunately. 
So yes, that's where I started. I almost worked there for three years at my old job. And then once I became a mom, I knew I wanted to be at home at least for one year. But then the pandemic hit. And here we are. Are you planning to go back to work or are you trying to make, well, I know now you have the second one coming. So, and you have breast moms. So is this what you want to focus on? We really want to make breast moms like a breastfeeding mommy empire that's like the goal our full-time job yeah make it our full-time job so god willing if all things work out and the products that we do come out with especially the first one Mm -hmm. honestly i really think it's going to be a hit and i believe it's going to be a hit because there's a big gap in the market so if we're able to fulfill that, I think that's going to be amazing. So uh-huh. hopefully I won't have to go back to working in my old field, but I always have that in my back pocket if I need it. And there's something that maybe you can do with it in time too, because it's still in relation to it, you know, or, the, you know, or doing like a nonprofit or something to still help you. What about you, Stephanie? What is your background? Well, my background is I got my bachelor's degree back in Venezuela in international business. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to the U.S. in 2014. And then here I got my MBA at Lynn University and I had two specializations, one in marketing and one in finance. When I did that, I realized like I like marketing. I didn't really like finance. So as soon as I finished my MBA, I started working in brand development, just bringing ideas to life. And now that you ask if we want to go back to work, I feel like that's one of my passions, just bringing, like making life easier, bringing ideas to market. And I, and I can do that with breast moms. So I don't really like, I, my hope <laughs> is to just like do that with breast moms, keep coming up with ideas to make moms' lives easier, like breastfeeding moms or whatever we come up with, just make lives easier for all moms. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So in your journey of this, because you guys are 13 months in, which is so awesome that you guys are kind of at the same journey together. I love yeah. it. What have you found are like some of the misconceptions now that you are building this community, right? So I see you guys have questions and stuff, stuff that come in. What are some of the mes- misconceptions of breastfeeding? Actually, I saw, aren't you guys also going to be doula? We're doula certifications. Awesome. And is that because you both, did you have a doula as well, Stephanie? I know Emily said she did. Did you? No, I didn't, but I regret it. (laughs) Well, so I see. So you're trying to tie the two as far as to support the whole birth experience. Right. Yeah, because it's a wholesome experience, you know, from trying to conceive pregnancy and then breastfeeding motherhood, it all ties together. So I think we want to, we want to be able to reach all moms, you know, in our motherhood, you know, little corner of the internet, but especially breastfeeding moms, I think. That's such an important population because there's so many misconceptions, especially for me culturally, so many misconceptions in Latin American countries. And so that's something that's driven us to really commit to helping other moms for sure. Before you go into the misconceptions, I know you said the beginning was hard. Do you still feel that? Or did you say once you kind of got over the hump, it was done? Like, what, where are you guys now in your breastfeeding journey? Well, for me, it's just the best time of my day. Like every mm-hmm. time I breastfeed my baby, and I know for Emily, it's the same. Uh, it's just our favorite time of the day. And I think I'll say like after two weeks or probably a month, it just becomes easier. Like what we did that helped us get through uh, at the beginning was set up like a small goals. Like mm-hmm. I will breastfeed until I'm two, until, until my baby is like two weeks old. And then we were like, okay, we're two weeks in. Let's try until a month. 
And that's what we did and kept building on. And I think like after you're two months in into your breastfeeding journey, it's just natural. The struggles go away. You start trusting your body and you just do it. Yeah, I agree. Which is why when you do hear women that don't have the support, it does become sad because they do want to try. But if they have someone who unfortunately in the hospitals and the ones who don't know or don't necessarily support that, they're quick to be like, okay, then let's stop. Or if partners don't know, I think I think husbands, boyfriends, partners play a very, very pivotal role, because they're the ones who are in essence there. So if the husband sees the wife struggling, I think if they don't know, then they're quick to be like, okay, then let's stop and just get the formula, right. And I was very fortunate that my husband was completely for and pro breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I remember there in the beginning, first couple weeks, and his aunt is a midwife. So I was texting her WhatsApping her and she's in Trinidad. And she's like, just, just make it two, two more weeks, you know, get through the, the milk process and yeah. crying because my breasts were so hard. And Jace is trying to nurse and he's, my husband's like pumping the milk in the other one and in the middle of the night and me just crying because it was so yes. painful. And that was probably like the first few days. So yeah. I think having that support is so, so, so important. So now why don't we go into some of the misconceptions? What are some of the misconceptions that you guys, especially like you said, the Latin community, that's big. There's so many. Oh my goodness. So we wrote down a few for each because it's just too much. (laughs) (laughs) But as for birth, let's start there. One of the big misconceptions is that giving birth without pain medication will always result in a bad experience. You know, media has definitely come in and portrayed a picture that is not real. And that's what we see all the time. It's very rare when you see a positive birthing experience in a movie, on a show, whatever it is. And so I think that's something that's a a really big deal for me. I had a natural birth, no medication, and it was amazing. Like people are always like, oh my gosh, you're a freak. You're so crazy. I'm like, it's not that crazy. Like our body was built for this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we need to learn to trust ourselves, trust our body, you know, that we are capable of doing these things. How many women birthed back in the day? They didn't have the the first ones. We're in 2021. This has been going on for centuries. Correct. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the option of anesthesia. That wasn't even a thing. Either you did it or you did it, you know? And so unfortunately, of course, back then, there was a lot of things that went wrong, because there wasn't enough support in the homes, or it was just people in the community taking care of the mom or the baby. Another big one is that you don't need to prepare for birth. I think that is a huge misconception. Preparing for birth for me is key. Uh, for any mom wanting a natural birth, if you're going to have a C-section, and whatever the plan is, you need to prepare for birth because it's such a big moment. It's a pivotal moment in any mommy's life. And I think you definitely need to prepare both physically and mentally. Another one, inductions are always needed. No, sometimes inductions are done because it's convenient for the obstetrician. It's convenient for that medical staff that's going to be taking care of you. It's Christmas, it's New Year's, it's Hanukkah. I need to be with my family. I'm going on vacation, etc. And so when a mom isn't informed, they'll just say, yes, sure, no problem. 
but inductions can have other side effects, unfortunately, that are not taken into account. It's important to say like inductions, they save lives. So sometimes they're needed. There might be a pregnancy problem or like a medical problem that you Mm -hmm. need to like, you need to do an induction for. But I feel like nowadays, like inductions are just becoming like more and more popular. Mm -hmm. And like women are being induced when they hit like 39 weeks or 40 weeks. And I think it's important too to realize like pregnancy can go up all the way up to 42 weeks and you can have a healthy baby at 42 weeks. Yes. So to Emily's point, we just need to like promote more education on that sense because like inductions are not always needed unless they are medically necessary. Yeah. One of my old employers told me because again, sensationalized with inductions and having the C-section, two things. One, he asked, because I, I planned for a home birth and I didn't tell a lot of people because I knew that it would be, it's just not the norm, right? Yeah. So I knew people would kind of be like, ooh, and this and that. So I kind of kept that close. But I did tell my employer and he was like, oh, you can't take a C-section. So we know when you're going to be out of work. And for like, your convenience, sir. No. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because his wife had had, and he was like, yeah. And then he was like, actually, he was like, well, why don't you get, because then he knew I wanted natural. So he's like, oh, okay, so then don't go for the C-section, but why don't you get induced? Mm. Because his, his wife, because of the convenience of the C-section and sens- right. sensationalizing it, they had planned and induced. And like, I don't judge anybody's choices. You do what you have to do for your family, but correct is the education, at least know, you know? And I remember being there though, just like dumbfounded, like what? I'm like, no, I'm trying to let, you know, look, whatever you want to do, you want to do, but I'm trying to let God just tell me when it's time to go. I'm not trying to mess with it. I'm not trying to go with it. You know, obviously if the women don't know, then they don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but I knew better. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to let God and my baby tell me when it's when it's time to come. Well, I, I remember too, like my employer, they used to ask me a lot, like, when are you leaving on your maternity leave? And I'm like, well, I'm leaving the day my baby's born. <laughs> and they're like, okay, but when's your due date? Like, how do we know? And I'm like, okay, I have a due date, but I like, she might come before, she might come after. So I don't know. And I can't tell you. So yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it definitely. And I think my last point is that, the doctor is always right. And that's another thing that, that Steph and I discuss a lot. If you're not educated, the doctor can say at any point, whatever is convenient for them in their practice. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, sometimes mommies are not in their best interest. You know, mommy and baby are not in their best interest. It's what's better for them. And so I, I wanted uh, Steph to share about her experience with that point specifically, because yeah. I think that's important. And I think it's with that point and, and another one that I want to add in is that obstetric violence still exists. Mm-hmm. So when I was pregnant, I didn't have a doula, as I said, and I guess I saw birth as some, something natural that I didn't really have to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to happen naturally. I did take like prenatal classes and I thought like that was enough. So when I was like 38 weeks in, my baby for a weekend, she didn't move as much. So I went to the hospital just to make sure everything was fine. Of course, she moved on the way to the hospital. But then my husband said like, well, we're, we're right here. Like just let's just get her checked just in case so I got what's called a BPP a biophysical profile and it's like a ultra an ultrasound with a scoring system that they tell you oh your baby's like if your baby gets eight out of eight or ten or ten uh, out of ten uh, she's fine but if not they need to repeat that ultrasound to make sure like you get all the checks 
from the doctor. So I got the BPP and my baby got six out of eight, which because she didn't practice breathing. So at 38 weeks, they like to see babies practicing breathing, even though like you or the mom is breathing for them. So they told me like, you need to come back on Tuesday to the hospital to get another BPP or call your doctor on Monday and ask her like if she wants to see you that same day. So I called her the next day, Monday, and she said, no, just come here because I want to see you. So I, I went to the doctor that afternoon and I got another BPP done. And, but this time Miranda decided she didn't want to move and she didn't practice breathing. So I got four out of eight. She moved before and after. And I could see it on my belly, but it was, she wasn't moving during like the 20 minutes of the ultrasound. So the doctor said, you know what? Your baby is already measuring like 40 weeks. Your placenta is about done. You're ready to like to, to give birth. So just go to the hospital. I'm okay. and, uh, You're telling me all this. And I know the podcast world can't see me, but my face, I'm just like, what <laughs> in the world? I've never heard of this. I know, I know, I know. And I didn't know. I didn't know any better. So and I, like, I had two friends who gave birth and they were both an induction. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, that was like, eh, that was normal. So I went to the hospital very excited because it was finally induction day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I started being induced. The good thing, like my doctor didn't do like Peterson from, Pitocin. Pitocin from the beginning. Mm-hmm. She did, I don't know how, what's called, but like just a medicine that goes into your... Inserted vaginally, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that one. Mm-hmm. So, so, and it's like for 12 hours, like you you just wait to see what happens, so if you start dilating or not. When I go to the hospital, I was like one centimeter dilated. And then after the 12 hours, I was two centimeters dilated. Oh my Lord. So, and, and you know, like when you go to the hospital, that that's a thing people should know. And you need to eat before. Even if the doctor tells you, no, you don't can go home and eat. You, you eat before you go to the <laughs> hospital because I didn't eat for like 40 hours and that mm-hmm. was horrible. And so I, so after that happened and the doctor said, let's put you in Pitocin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. For me, it was normal. And when she did that, like the construction started like being more intense and intense. And then she came in to check on me. Like she wanted to check if I had been, if I dilated more. And when she checked me, she broke my water without telling me. Without consent. Yes. (laughs) So, so I asked her, like, did you just break my water? Because I felt like she put her hand in me and then my water broke that it felt like it was like two liters of water going out. It was impressive. But like, I asked her, did you break my water? And she was like, yes, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to be nervous. So then, well, pitocin, my water broke and my contractions were very, very intense. I asked Interference, what they called it, interference, a lot yes. of necessary interference. Yes. Definitely. So after that happened, like my contractions were more intense and the, the nurse told me, which if they put it in your mind, you're going to ask for it. She was like, after this, you're going to ask for an epidural in an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, I need an epidural. <laughs> so, <laughs> so an hour after I was like, I need an epidural. I got the epidural and long story short, the epidural epidural didn't work uh, I don't know if and that's another misconception like epidurals don't always work yeah so there is like a percentage that I believe like is 12 percent 
that epidurals in women don't work. I felt every single contraction, everything I felt. So, so, so wait, 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 but there's an important point to that because again, you're, you you have unnecessary interference. You went in not knowing anything because you're assuming that either they were going to tell you how the process was going to go mm-hmm. or that because you've seen birth, you know what it's going to be. So now they give you an epidural. So you think you're not supposed to feel anything, but now you do. So think of the trauma. And I'm, I'm, I believe I would imagine you would, because now you're like, holy shit, what do I do with this pain? Because you no, did not know. Yes. And then when that happens, then your contractions, even if you, if you don't want to, like they're more and more intense because not Absolutely. only you're feeling your contractions, but you're kind of upset. Yeah. So you, you like it's the stress, the contraction, everything together. It just becomes more. Now painful. you can't focus on what you should be focusing on. You're thinking right. of everything else, oh. right? And also too, laying down. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in the labor process, I could not sit down, Nicole. When I tell you, if I sat down for a second, those contractions were whoo, off the wall. So I had to be moving the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. When the nurses went to check me, they had to literally grab me because I would not sit. And I was already 9.5. So I was in transition. You were, you were transitioning. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can't even imagine doing all this, laying down the whole entire time, having no freedom to move. That's crazy. So go ahead, Stephanie. So now you're, so now you're going that. So now you, your contractions are intensifying. You're like, what the heck is going on? Yes, well, like, and that continued until like, I think it was like 7pm. So I got uh, admitted to the hospital, like 5pm the day before. And then at 7pm, like the day after I told the nurse, I can't do this anymore. Like I, like, I felt like I was going to die from pain, if that was possible. And I told her, like, I feel like I'll I'll die. Like, I had never felt, like, such an intense pain before. Like, I can't do this anymore. And the nurse was like, no, you can't. Just keep going. And I'm like, I just can't. (laughs) Like, you're not in my body. And then the nurse checked me. She was like, no, but you're not ready. And I swear, like, two minutes after the doctor came, checked me. And then she was like, no, she's ready. And there is something, not funny, but like something interesting that happened to women when they deliver naturally. The moment they, that woman feel like I can't do this anymore is the moment they're ready to give birth. Yeah. So I was ready to give birth and the, the nurse didn't check me correctly, I guess. And then like as uh, the doctor prepared everything very quickly and in three pushes, my baby was out and everything was beautiful. And I feel like if you ask me if I'll do it again, I'll do it again. When I was in the process, I was like, I, I can't have any more babies. Like, I, this is not possible. But as soon as she was born, I was like, okay, I can do this one more time. <laughs> well, and, and thankful to you that you ended up having a natural birth and not that C-section is anything mm-hmm. you know good or bad or whatever. But there are so many stories that because of so much interference, because of so much unnecessary intervention with it, they have to resort to the C-section unwillingly for the birth yeah. mother because there's so much mm-hmm. um and the fact that you push you know one two three is out you know yeah that again I, I can imagine that being true because I think the universe God is like all right mama you've done your thing <laughs> yeah let's go quickly let's go you know quickly. another thing that's interesting since we were talking about the Latin American culture people at least in Venezuela and I imagine it's the same way in Latin America they feel like c-sections are made for rich people and then people who give birth naturally it's because they're poor 
And that shouldn't be the the case. the case. And that's interesting too, because I've heard the same about breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. The rich people do formula. They don't have time to whip out their boob. No, it's just give them the bottle. And then the poor people who can't afford the formula are the ones doing all the breastfeeding. When I heard that, I was like, yeah. and what's crazy is, and that's a whole, that I think would take the same amount of time that we've been programmed to think the two things that you thought about, because yes, it might be prominent in Latin American culture and some other cultures. In a lot of developed countries, like in Europe and other places, midwifery care, they actually work very well with the obstetrician. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Breastfeeding is very prominent and, and, and supported. But the amount of time that we've been programmed would probably be the amount of time to deprogram all of those stigmas, which is sad. And but we could have a whole conversation about that. I mean, that started from long time ago when, especially in this country, where a lot of the slaves used to breastfeed the babies that they were caring what for. And then hospitals came and because they wanted the money, then they made it seem like it was dirty to breastfeed. Oh, it's like, I mean, there are so many levels that we could go. Yeah. <laughs> what they programmed us Listen, to think. When I tell you my biggest struggle has been with my family, that has been the hardest. Sure. misconception here misconception there judgment mockery in a way wow it's just been so intense truly yeah, we had we I had similar things with that too with my family my mom was just like why are you, almost like why are you putting yourself through that yeah that's unnecessary yeah and I'm like huh? so I was like mommy motherhood isn't about inconvenience we've been programmed to think of all the convenient things to go but motherhood isn't about inconvenience no, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Like this is part of the growing process. And once I started kept repeating that, I mean, then they realized like they had no whatever, then they stopped. And now that my sister had her baby and because they know they've supported her. But when I first came yeah, cause and my mom would say, she's like, I tried with you girls, but you know, I couldn't, but I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be convenient just because, cause she's like, well, just go to bed and give him formula so you could sleep. And I'm like, if he needs to get up in the middle of the night and needs my boob, I I'm okay. Like and I'm okay. The reason why he needs the breast milk is the reason why he needs all that. Yeah, right. So what were we saying? Oh, so just yeah. So there's so many misconceptions about that with the Latin American community um, and and different cultures all together. And it does suck when it when it comes from your family. But what they don't know, they don't know. So it's almost like you right. have to have patience and just be like, no, this is my family. Please just respect. Yeah, mm-hmm. stand your ground. Boundaries. So yeah, for sure. What do you think society can do to make moms feel more empowered for birth and life with a baby and breastfeeding? I mean, I know we kind of touched on some things, but go ahead. That is such a like loaded question. But I think one of the first thing is having prenatal classes be mandatory and always free, no matter what. If you're having a hospital birth, a home birth, birth center, wherever it is. Agree. As well as breastfeeding classes, CPR classes, infant CPR, basics on how to take care of baby. All of those classes should be a part of mommy's education and should be completely free. And I think also we sometimes tend to focus, and this happened to me, I'll admit that I focused so much on birth that I forgot about postpartum. Oh my goodness, we need so much care, so much support, encouragement for postnatal care. And I think that after the baby is born, it seems like everyone just cares about the baby. Baby Chloe, baby Miranda, oh my goodness, everyone's in love with the baby and they just want to squish the baby and carry the baby. But what about us? 
Hey, I'm here. I, I just birthed the baby. <laughs> I just I birthed the baby. I'm bleeding like a crazy woman. My breasts, I cannot handle it. My breasts are engorged, hard. They hurt. Everything um, hurts. Not only everything that. hurts. Your whole body. You just went through this whole process. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I think one of the main things that Steph and I have discussed is that it's so disturbing to us that when women give birth, they only have a six week checkup. Mm-hmm. I know with midwifery, correct me, more more personal, yeah. a little yeah. more intense. So they come see you a few days after, then I think it's a week, two weeks, and then six weeks. And I think that's great. But as for women that are taken care of by an OB, you have a six week checkup. And what is tell me truly, Nicole, what the six week checkup is about. Well, I had a midwife, so I I can't really compare. But looking back, and I'm like, by six weeks, no, I need you immediately. I need to know this. And do they even really talk about the mental state? That's the problem. Listen, for me, the six week checkup was let's check where your uterus is. Okay, we're good to go. You can have you can have sex. Yeah. Because that's what's really important, right? Now, that's what's the most important. (laughs) Yeah, the last thing on my mind right now is sex. Trust me. At least for me, I was not ready mentally. Oh, my God. I was still bleeding at six weeks. I think I stopped around eight weeks. Don't even get me. Oh, goodness. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, I feel like moms definitely need to be taken care of more in depth, more intensely, and better care as well. We also talked about having postpartum doulas available for mm-hmm. moms that need them. And it should be covered by insurance. It shouldn't have to be an extra cost right. for moms. Oh, yeah. No, it should be mandatory. Just someone that's there for you to answer questions, to help you, to encourage you. I feel like that's why our friendship blossomed so much because we were each other's big like cheerleader the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah. And by not having that with somebody else, like, if, if I didn't know Steph, I probably would have struggled a lot more than I did. So I think those are for me. And I think for me, something that made my breastfeeding journey easier was like my breastfeeding support group that uh, they're everywhere and they're free most of the time. And they're even online, but Mm -hmm. most people don't know about it. So I feel like we need to do a better job of promoting this kind of groups. Uh, I went to my, my breastfeeding support group for two months before the pandemic hit. And for me, it was such a a good time. Like I was meeting all new moms, like other new moms who had their babies who were also like breastfeeding and who had questions too. And some of their questions were the same questions I had. Mm -hmm. So I got all my questions answered during those two hours a week. I feel like that's very important just to have support groups for moms, for new moms. And I know this doesn't happen normally during the pandemic, but I feel like we also need to normalize breastfeeding in public. We need to stop looking at women, like just giving them a bad look. If they're breastfeeding in public, they're just feeding their babies. And it is the most, like the most natural thing you will see. So we need to stop doing that. We need to stop sending women to restrooms to breastfeed or to pump. Mm -hmm. It's just a natural, beautiful thing. So we just need to like stop doing that I'll tell you a story about that because I think it's important to share and I haven't shared it on here about breastfeeding and the shame that comes with it so we went to DC and I think Jace gosh I don't know it was close to about a year and a half maybe give or take a little bit more so we were still breastfeeding on demand and we went to a museum in DC and of course at the time my husband decides not to bring the pacifier in at that time he decides when we're going into a museum with lots of people oh just leave the pacifier and me 
not wanting to argue. I'm like, yeah, okay. Even though my gut was like, no, you should probably bring that past. <laughs> so we go in, whatever. And of course he starts getting cranky and there's so many people and I could tell he's overstimulated. Long story short, I started getting, I was still suffering with my postpartum anxiety. I didn't really have depression, but I speak a lot of how I had anxiety. I don't know where it came from. It just came full blown. So I was very subconscious with a lot of things, very, just, just a lot of anxiety. So there's so many people and I see him getting, getting fussy. So now my self-consciousness, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have this screaming child. And then now I'm getting mad thinking I shouldn't listen to my gut because I left the pacifier. So I have all these emotions. Yeah. So I tell my husband, I was like, go finish the thing. I'm just going to take him. So now I'm mad that I can't now experience because I got to be the one, you know, all these things that we got. So we go by the bathroom. There's no place, no place to breastfeed, right? There's no room, even though it's a public spot. So I had to sit and he's screaming at this point because I know he's tired. So I squat. And at that time, a year and a half, I mean, he's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And on my squatted legs near the two bathrooms between the woman's bathroom and the men's bathroom, I had to hold him like this to get him to nurse. And I want to cry, right? At this moment, I'm like, I want to cry. I want to cry because my husband's not there. I want to cry because I told him to go. But really, I was like, why did I tell him to go? I should have told him to stay. Um, I have people walking by. They're just looking at me. They're shielding their kids from seeing like as if I'm like as if I'm doing something horrible. Although every time someone would walk by and make a noise, my my son would pull off. So like my boob would be right there. <laughs> like, you know, all this. And I'm like squatting. And then every time he tried to fall asleep, the woman's bathroom would open and you would hear the loud fan. So his eyes would wake up and I'm like trying to breathe. And I'm like, I I can't believe this is going on right now. And then finally, finally, he nursed himself to sleep. I got up, put him in the stroller and then he's, you know, he was, he was good. But I remember that because I was like, there was no place. And this is a public spot and I couldn't go in the bathroom. I couldn't go anywhere. I'm in this exposed thing. I tried to go in the corner, but then I'm like, why do I have to feel shameful to go into it? So yeah, that was, I think an important point to make the call about breastfeeding public is that women's bodies are so sexualized that people think that breastfeeding is a sexual act. Mm -hmm. It's not, this is how our bodies are made, what our bodies were made for. Our breasts were made to feed our children, not to please men or women or whoever it is. And so I think that's such a big problem too, that we encounter. Yeah. So go ahead. So you were saying normalizing breastfeeding in public. Yes. And I feel like since you were saying you were nursing a toddler, that's another thing uh, we need to normalize, like toddlers breastfeed too. Mm -hmm. So because sometimes like if they see a baby eating, it's like, oh my God, so cute, the baby. But then like, as my daughter started like getting like closer to a year, then people started asking like, and when are you going to stop breastfeeding? Mm-hmm. so so that's another thing we need to normalize I, I don't think we got to talk about the breastfeeding misconceptions where we uh-huh. had that um under that's one of them yes that's one of them <laughs> and last thing I just think uh pediatricians should be required to have more lactation classes Mm -hmm. because I believe they take one or two but they're not experts in lactation even though they're like recommending to women how to breastfeed Mm -hmm. so like when when you're not well educated you do things like oh start giving him purees by the time he's four months old or she's four months old Mm -hmm. and that happened to emily yeah and to me they have been saying like for a while now like how i should breastfeed on a schedule like last time i went to the pediatrician they told me i can only breastfeed my daughter twice a day so yeah 
like that doesn't make sense breastfeeding is on demand and it will be until my daughter decides uh she wants yeah. to breastfeed how how does that even what did they tell you even is the point well, of the thing is like my daughter she's a big girl and she's a little bit over the percentile in weight so they want you to limit how much milk you give her Yes, yeah. because according to the pediatrician, she's getting nutrition she doesn't need, which is not true. But that's why they need more education on the subject. Mm -hmm. And I wow. think if for some reason, you know, doctors are not are not going to ever be required to take as many courses as we think they should be taking. A good thing is, is having an IBCLC, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, be a part of their practice. Mm -hmm. which which and our so, pediatrician does have one but they just but keep recommending it they whatever. and they don't even refer you to them right you know you have to specifically ask to mm -hmm. see them and I think that's that's something that also I don't know I just feel like that's such a problem you are a pediatrician in the early months and in toddlerhood you're dealing with moms who are breastfeeding you're you're not fully informed on the subject how can you help a mom who's having trouble for sure. And if you're not certified, then you shouldn't help. And you should, like you said, refer someone to say, look, I don't know enough, but I see that this is important to you. So let me, let me refer you to somebody. Yep, exactly. Definitely. Plain and simple, but wow. So because she's quote, I have quotes, I have quotes in the air, big enough or getting too much. I've never in my life. That is crazy. Well, but, but Miranda has always been a big baby. Yes. Her father is a big man. You know, he's oh, big. What? Who? Oh, Lord. It's not only on the weight, weight percentile that she is. It's everything. Uh, yeah, it's in everything. So she, is, she looks like a healthy baby. It's not like I'm raising. Oh, no, yes. They told me more things. Or, well, the pediatrician told me other things too. Like I should have stopped like, giving her fast food or I should have stopped giving her juices or sugar. Things that I had never done, but she just. Oh, she had to so they say were just assuming so he's so they're just assuming mm -hmm. so she's thinking she's driving up to mcdonald's drive-thru <laughs> every day giving the baby french fries my that word. is crazy and see jace he was on the lower he's always been a tiny baby but i'm petite mm -hmm. my husband's not and i again i say air quotes because who says big small whatever my husband's not big whatever that means so jace has always been petite he's still not that little boy has no hip, hips he still wear, could wear like 18 months pants and shorts he's just that just is what it is yeah. so we always had that even as we were when i went back to work pumping i had to supplement but we supplemented with oat milk and we would make um, oat milk and add it with it i mean he was already eating like we did baby led weaning so he was already eating and i knew he was okay but I remember the pediatrician mentioning it and she was like, but is he still getting enough breast milk? And I said, look, he still wakes up in the middle of the night. I still breastfeed him in the middle of the night. I didn't do sleep training when he wants to boob. I give it to him. Right. So I was like, he's getting still enough nutrients. And she's like, okay, I, I go to a more holistic pediatrician. So they were more, yes, yes I will. Yes. Yeah. Cause even the nurses, I mean, they do a little bit of both, but they're very supportive in that. She just, of course, wanted to make sure I wasn't giving more oatmeal because he was under still, I think a year. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to give him dairy milk. I said, no, we're not. That's just not what we're going to do. Right. So I was confident enough, though. But because he's smaller, they assumed. But they were still, but you know what? They were still supportive. She told me, she was like, look, don't concentrate on the weight. He's still a healthy, growing boy. His weight to his height, everything is still normal. Right. Um, so that also matters. And I think it's important to put out there is that if you do feel uncomfortable with your pediatrician, your OBGYN, whatever it is, even a midwife, because look, let's be real. I've had some conversations with now two midwives, no, three midwives, 
on my podcast and um, they all bring a little different flair, but they've been midwives for a long time. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the one she's like, look, not all midwives also have your best intentions. So no matter what you do, just sure. research who you're going to bring in. And if it doesn't feel right, it's okay to get a second opinion. It's okay to go to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, how are you guys balancing all of this? <laughs> Cause I know, I mean, I, I do work outside the home. So I, I, I went back to work after three months, but how are you guys balancing? Cre- <laughs> Look at your face. <laughs> how are you balancing? You know, you guys both have 13 months. So it's, I, I saw one of you, I think it was you, Emily, you posted your daughter had a tantrum. That was yours, right? We had so many tantrums this morning. So you're at that, you're at that stage because they they're, they want to learn how to talk so I remember that you know now we have a talker so he tells us straight up yes no he you know we're at that stage but she's trying to learn through her emotions how are you guys balancing all of this and I know that's a loaded question as well so that's a loaded question but I always think to myself is there really a balance is there ever going to be a balance and it's definitely so difficult and I think a crucial part for me is having my partner who's been super supportive and encouraging me to keep taking care of myself, putting myself first, and enjoy little things on my own. So what we've come up with is I was telling Steph a few weeks back when we started that she needs to do something similar with her husband. But my friend actually encouraged me to do this. We were chit chatting. And she was like, I really feel like you need time, you need more time for yourself, you're with the baby all day. So what we've been doing is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when my husband gets home at 530, I have the hour and a half until it's bath time to myself. Mm-hmm. So whatever I want to do, if I want to read a book, I want to exercise, or I just want to lay down, scroll my phone, whatever it is, the hour and a half is to myself. And then of course, on the weekends, it's a little more lenient because my husband is home from work. But yeah, definitely having him be a part of this whole process and letting him know when I truly need time for myself, like, hey, today has just been a lot. I need help. I need you to take over. And him being there for me has been a really big deal. But I don't really think there's ever going to be a perfect balance for any have to give and choose. Do you guys outsource anything? Do you outsource? Like, I, I had to get a cleaning lady. So like, we got a cleaning lady like me. But again, I was coming home and then cooking and I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. So I got a cleaning lady to feel not guilty about it. Yeah, it's a lot. It's truly a lot because then let's say it's bedtime. My baby's down to bed at eight. And then I'm like, okay, now I have to cook for tomorrow. Now I have to clean the house. Now I have to this and that. And honestly, I have just become like surrendered. Like my house is messy. My house is going to be messy. Okay, that's fine. I, if I don't want to do it tonight, I'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I think just taking that pressure off of myself to be this perfect person, always look good, mm-hmm. have my house clean, my baby look great. You know, it's just a lot. And I, I, I want to take that pressure off of myself and let other women know who are going through the same. It's okay, you know, to let that go and to surrender to that. What about, about you, Stephanie? So, well, I don't have a lot to say on this one because like it's for for me, it's very hard to find a balance. I don't think I ever uh, have time for myself, which I'm struggling. And sometimes like if I do need a break, like I'll give my daughter to my husband and and he's supportive. It's just that I haven't asked for it because I like to be there. Mm -hmm. And when he's off work, I like to be with him. So I, I just, I just haven't like really like asked to get time for myself and but I know it's important I know there are days like I'm just exhausted and I should have time for me Mm -hmm. but yeah I I need to admit it I'm not really good at it 
And I, I think I'm good at nothing her that she needs. I know. Time yeah, she's for herself. I, I used to think it was crazy when you would hear a therapist say to schedule time for sex with your partner. Mm-hmm. And maybe not to completely see it on the calendar. Cause that for me, I mean, again, whatever people want to do, but for me to actually see it, but I think I, I, if I'm being honest in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah. make a move on my husband. Like, I'm just being honest, you know, because I'm like, okay. So in my mind, I'm like, I guess that's schedule because I'm making a um, conscious effort with it. Yeah. But in that same token, I think we have to do the same with ourselves. So I actually just did a podcast that I'll be posting next weekend, an episode kind of like about self-love and really all of this time management. And I mean, she's on it. She's up every day at 5 a.m. But she's also an outside working mom. So she's like, I, I, you know, I, I mentally, you know, she's like, I have to get up. I have to meditate. I have to do these things. And what really struck me to kind of push. So maybe Stephanie, this maybe kind of gets you out of that mom guilt. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is your why? Some people it's to lose weight, whatever their lifestyle changes. Some people it's to, like you were saying, you know, you want to spend time with your husband. She was like, but my why is my son. She was like, you know, I had him later on in life she's like so when he's old, at around 10 I'm going to be over 40 and I also had Jace at 35 your goal was 30 my thing was like 35 was like I needed to have my first child and ended up knock on wood working out that way so mm-hmm. when I'm th- I'm going to be 38 this year so Jace is you know Jace is three so I'm like gosh so when she said that it resonated with me because I've still been also like Ugh, to work out to do this and she's like no I want to be there for my child so if he wants yep. to go running I'm not winded so mm-hmm. maybe think about that, Stephanie is like, especially as she gets older now, she's okay, but she might look at you and be like, Ma, let's go. And it's not only the physical exhaustion, but the mental exhaustion to just let your mind reset. Yeah. So that has resonated with me. I'm like, my why, my why is yes, I want to live to be a hundred so I can be, you know, God willing. For my <laughs> I that means healthier choices. That means taking care of my body. So look at the why, you know, kind of tell yourself, but yeah, she's a machine. She's like up at five and she's like, I schedule everything from me. Yeah. This, time, this time I told my husband, leave me alone. I need to be doing this. So to what you said, Emily, you know, give me yeah. that time. And then I schedule the time with my son because they, you know, to give him complete undivided attention. Right. Yeah. But I think that's the closest you could get, I guess, the balancing is she's like, you have to schedule. And I thought that was crazy because I'm like a rigorous schedule like that. And she's like, yes, because then you can see it on a calendar and, you yeah. know, from here to here, don't look at my phone. I'm going to dedicate it to my husband. From right. here to here is for me. So that might help because it sounds like there's a lot of mom guilt there because you're like, I want to be there. I want to do my thing. And I listen, honey, I know, especially because I did work and I was like, no, he needs me. So mm-hmm. I can't go out. I'm at work. Eight, right. 10 hours a day so when he needs me I need to be there right. and a lot of people are like oh, it's okay you can go out for a day on us you know it's okay mm-hmm. and I'm still struggling with that and I think we're we were also chatting about how it's so different in the pandemic because like for us we our outings are very limited supermarket pharmacy right. like the basics mm-hmm. and so and you know each person has their own criteria and I don't judge them for what they do but for us like hey I wish I can just pick you up and go to the mall mm-hmm. you know I mean, like, maybe if I had that that's true. that I truly enjoy I'll do them yeah. but like right now like for me taking time to myself is just coming to my bedroom and doing what yeah so, so it's like I know my baby's there I know my baby's like playing or I know I can hear her crying or whatever it is that I it's like why I'm like I, I don't feel good not being there mm-hmm. no I understand and, and, and look and if that's where you're at right now that's also that's fine yeah. yeah 
You have to go with what you need, but just know the mental exhaustion can be real. You I know? know, and I know that that's why I say like, I need to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And you will, you'll know what your, what your body needs. Oh, let's ask. So now we're in 2021 and I was going to ask this at the end, but I'm actually going to ask now, what is, what is the future of breast moms look like? What does that look oh like? Goodness. Wow. We have, we have so many like exciting things coming. We're launching our like clothing brand and well, clothing and access accessories mm-hmm. and we're also working to launch a product either fall 2021 or spring 2022 mm-hmm. that uh, will make life easier for pumping moms and I feel like you uh, well as a pumping mom uh, you will really enjoy it so we're working on it we already have the provisional patent we're working with suppliers so we are we're so excited and we really really hope we can launch it by the end of this year mm-hmm. awesome. well i'm gonna put good vibes out there for you and yes and then, you. you know the the affirmation you should start that in the morning see that might be a good thing to start with be like I am putting out there, I am accepting that my product will be launched by the end of this year. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, the, the thing is like a lot of things don't depend on us because mm-hmm. like with the pandemic and everything that's mm-hmm. happening, suppliers don't have enough like capacity or yeah. they don't have the materials they need because they're not shipping as often. So there are a lot of things that don't depend on us right now. That's why we don't have an exact date, sure. but hopefully we will make it work and we will launch it by fall 2021 yes awesome. Awesome. but yeah i feel like for breast moms like that professional realm is getting so exciting mm-hmm. like for both of us we're just so stoked and so many big things are coming mm-hmm. and also just getting to connect with more moms i love that when moms dm us and mm-hmm. feel like they know us and they're comfortable enough to share whatever it is that just feels so good to us and then personally i have so many things going on in 2021 my baby's coming this summer. We don't know what it is and we don't want to find out until baby's awesome. born. That's and awesome. so that's exciting. We're potentially going to be moving to Georgia, my husband and I. So relocating to Georgia. Hopefully, Steph and David will follow us soon. That's what we're hoping and praying for. Um, so wait a minute. Wait, I need to interject. So we need to have coffee or something before you guys leave. Right. <laughs> I know, I know. Things are happening very fast. We don't know when exactly the move is going to be because it's all dependent on my husband's job. But it seems like it's going to be before baby is born. That's what it seems like. Yeah, that is a lot. I guess we'll have to get tested and then see each other. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I know Emily wants uh, us to go there, but like my husband's work is here and mm-hmm. he really loves being here. So, he so loves South Florida, yeah. one of the things that I, I'm looking forward to this year is that we're going to buy a house. So mm-hmm. right now we're looking and like we have like different places that we like. We like Coral Springs, we like Boca, we like Weston. Mm-hmm. So we have been looking around. So hopefully we can buy a new house soon. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And look, and even if you do, like Georgia's right around the corner. Georgia is actually beautiful to visit. I don't know if you both have ever been, but Georgia yeah. is beautiful. Savannah, Atlanta is nice. Oh, I love Savannah so much. Oh, so, nice. so yeah, I mean, and with technology, you guys can still, yeah. you know. And they can always come and hang out with us right. up there. Yeah, for a weekend, it's such a, even if you flew, yeah, there's so many ways. Mm-hmm. What are you guys most looking forward to in 2021? Well, obviously, I'm sure what you just said, you know, you're having your baby, there's a lot going on. But what will you bring with you? in 2021 on maybe like a spiritual level and what do you want to leave behind in 2020 okay so for me 
definitely what I'm bringing is a lot of positivity that I have built. I think just being a mom has changed me so much. Like in the core of me, my soul has changed so much. And I think I've definitely become a different person than I was before. I think I used to let a lot of things affect me back then. And now all of the criticism, you know, unsolicited advice I've received, everything, I've just built such a thick skin that anything that people tell me, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Okay, moving on, you know. So I'm definitely bringing that spirit into Mm -hmm. 2021, not really caring what people have to say about me in a personal level or about my motherhood journey or my breastfeeding journey. I'm just like, hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing. This is what's best for me and my family. And I'm moving forward with that. So I think I'm, I'm a little bit more savage 2021. Hey, for sure. I love that word. Okay, <laughs> savage, love it. What about you, Stephanie? I think for me, it's the same. I was telling Emily, like, I feel like motherhood, like I'm a new person since I became mother. So I am more comfortable in my skin, which Mm -hmm. is crazy to think. But like, I feel like now I'm more comfortable with me. I learned to enjoy like just what I have at home. So I don't need to go to a park to be able to have fun. Like I just have everything I need in my house. And I need I want to bring that with me for 2021. I also learned to say no know which is a big thing because before I was just a people pleaser Mm -hmm. and right now like some like sometimes I put myself first or my family first and I say like okay well like because like you know with a pandemic for example like a lot of people want to see us and I have had to like establish boundaries Mm -hmm. like even to the grandparents which has been hard but like if you don't quarantine or if you don't do this and we can't see you that's something I have learned this year that I didn't have before like boundaries saying no like just feeling more comfortable in my skin and I want to bring that uh into 2021 that sounds like that's also a little savage too sometimes you just have to be and I know that's such a but no I love it yeah you have to be an advocate for yourself and you yeah. have to be an advocate for your family because no one else is. No one else is going to be there. I always felt like that was a big thing with like my close family, like with Jace's naps or certain things. And, you know, the old man, I'll just mm-hmm. let for him. And I'm like, are you going to be up with him at three o'clock? And who knows their child, me or you? Yeah. Are you be up with him? I'm like, no, his bedtime is this. I, I make sure he has his nap time even to this day. Yeah. Three. And people are like, oh, you're not going to wean him off naps. And I'm like, not until no, that's my time. Right. Um, people have no, always have so much to say if it doesn't affect them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. Like I just like gain so much confidence too. Like I don't listen to those comments anymore. Like, because like when you become a mother, like everyone comes with advice and it's advice of what they believe in, but like you need to empower your, yourself with information to be able to say, no, you know what? I'm not doing that. Like, mm-hmm. this is the way I want my motherhood journey to be, or this is yeah. the way I want to feed my child. So I gained so much confidence. And I think I thank the pandemic for that because like I wasn't around a lot of people. So I had to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. That's so, a good point. You yeah, can have I, a lot of people in your ear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about motherhood that, that light switch just turns on. Okay, so Stephanie, why don't you go into some of the, since we didn't get a chance to kind of touch base on it, some of the breastfeeding misconceptions, and then we'll get into our get to know. Okay, so, well, I think the biggest misconception, and we touched on a little bit before, is that breastfeeding is natural, like breastfeeding is not natural to a lot of moms, and we need help. So hopefully, like, 
in the future, like what we were discussing before, we all we all have like a lactation consultant, uh, postpartum doula, pay by insurance or whatever it is, but just getting help is important and just getting that out of our minds, like to think that breastfeeding is something that happens naturally because it doesn't and it requires a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. especially with the latch at the beginning. If yes. they don't have a good latch, I feel like, oh my goodness. Wait a minute, what about the tongue tie? I know a lot of women, if the doctors don't know and they're thinking, oh, it's just not latching and the baby has a tongue tie. Yeah, right. a tongue tie, a lip tie, an abnormality in their mouth mm-hmm. that doesn't get properly diagnosed. And I think that's why it's so important to see a lactation professional at the beginning if you're having any trouble because they will be able to diagnose. And IBCLC, they're trained to do any of those diagnoses. And most hospitals, they have an IBCLC going around the rooms. Mm -hmm. So when you give birth, you just ask for one and like just to help you with your breastfeeding and make sure you have the latch correctly. Mm -hmm. So that's one important thing to know too. Definitely. Another thing is that a misconception is that breastfeeding is painful Mm -hmm. and that it's always going to be painful. It's not, you know, we had those bumps at the beginning, like we talked about, and it was painful at the beginning. But once we got over that hump that we talked about after that first month, month and a half, no pain was there. And I think if you're experiencing pain consistently, you do have to get an evaluation done by a lactation professional, because you're not going to be happy. You're just going to be hurting and just doing it to do it. And eventually it's just you know, you can't keep up with that. Right. And then something else is that breast milk becomes water after six months. We've heard that from so many people that breastfeeding, you know, it's not nutritious, it's water. The mm. baby is just, you know, doing it for fun at this point, because, you know, <laughs> they start solids at six months. And so why do you continue to do it? And, and, no. and one thing that's important about that point is like, I have a close friend whose husband is a doctor. He told her that breastfeeding after six months didn't have any benefits. Yeah. So some, sometimes I don't get why doctors who are not prepared in the lactation world make that, those kind of comments, but it's very, very common. And not only from doctors or, or not only like from like grandparents yeah. or like regular people but also from doctors Mm -hmm. like some most people believe like at a certain point breastfeeding is no longer needed Mm -hmm. it can be six months or a year whatever it is and they don't let sometimes mom decide when to like end their breastfeeding journey or baby decide when she wants he wants Mm -hmm. to win herself himself yeah so another point that i think it's important is on breastfeeding toddlers like people think they are getting nutrition that's not needed or or it's not longer beneficial and it's important to know that breastfeeding toddlers is not only for nutrition but it's also an emotional connection with mom Mm -hmm. and sometimes our babies just need us and nursing a toddler helps them regulate their emotions it has so many benefits Mm -hmm. and just emotions is one of them it's connection it's emotion it's comfort it's feet is nutrition Mm -hmm. so i think that's important another big misconception that we have heard a lot on our page is that breasts become saggy from breastfeeding and that's not true actual it actually happens if it happens because some women are lucky that that doesn't happen to them but if it happens it's because of pregnancy 
because when, when we're pregnant, our body releases a hormone called relaxin that relaxes like all our ligaments. Mm -hmm. And our breasts, they have something that's called Cooper ligaments. And those ligaments as well, the, all the ligaments in our body, they relax. So when breasts become saggy, it's from pregnancy, not from breastfeeding. So mm -hmm. I think that's important to know because some women decide not to breastfeed for that reason because yeah. they don't want to have saggy breasts. Yeah, exactly. And well, another uh, important point is that you are a bad mom is if you don't breastfeed. And that's absolutely not true. Like it doesn't matter how you're feeding your baby whether it's form formula feeding or breastfeeding you're a good mom mm -hmm. and we need to remember that a healthy mom is a healthy baby so we need to do what's best for us and we're still good moms if we don't breastfeed yeah definitely yes. and I think one one thing for us that kind of came up also was that if you have any breast surgery so mm -hmm. breast augmentation breast reduction you're not going to be able to breastfeed. I personally had a breast reduction and an so a breast reduction with an implant. Mm -hmm. And I was able, you know, to breastfeed, I'm still breastfeeding on demand. So that hasn't been an issue for me. And for you either. So I think that's a big misconception as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think that's a good point that you said that even if you can't, because I'm, I'm all about supporting all moms and whatever mm -hmm. your right. choices, I'm very pro choice and everything. You know, of course, we feel to educate and say, if you do have these questions and want to do these things, this, mm -hmm. you know, this is what's going to happen. But for sure, you're a good mom, whatever, whatever you decide to do, yeah. you got to do what's best for, for you. you and know? I think another important point is that if you, for whatever reason it is, you decide not to breastfeed, you still need to contact an IBCLC to help you dry up your, your supply. So you don't get mastitis or you don't get an infection or any, and anything can happen. Yeah. So just get help, the appropriate help. If you decide not to breastfeed, to be able to like continue with your life without getting any like struggles no, no, they're because your milk is going to form anyway so you might right. as well to learn how to release it and what you need to do that's a really good point mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. okay why don't we get to a good quick get to know so do you ladies have any favorite books or one that you think is important to recommend yeah so I read a book during pregnancy it's called like a mother I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's basically about shifting our traditional views of pregnancy and motherhood into a more like progressive way of thinking. So not letting so much culture affect us on the way we parent and just like going on our motherly instincts, whatever is best for us. So that's one that I loved in pregnancy. And I told Steph last night that I was going to read it again, because now that I'm a mom, I want to see, you know, mm -hmm. what I can get out of it now. Right. And I love that book. Yeah. And for me, I think it's the whole brain child. Oh, I it's just got that book. I just got that book. It's very good. And it's a very useful book that helps parents understand like how their child brain works. Like it teaches you different ways to handle different kind of situations. And I feel like that's so important. So so they, it teaches you how to help your child develop both sides of their brains. And that's going to help them in the future, too. So yeah. I think it's so important. That book is amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. You're like the second or third one. And I was like, I need to get this book. So I just got yeah. it. Yeah, good. Um, 
I haven't, I haven't read it. So no, and, and, and one it. good thing too, is that even though it's just like everything is explained by a neurologist, like he does such a good job mm-hmm. of like simply find like every single thing he says. Yeah. So that that's easy for everyone to understand. So you won't get very complicated terms in the book that you won't understand. Like everything will be explained and it's, it's just amazing. I really mm-hmm. like it. Awesome. What are you ladies grateful for today? For me, I'm grateful for my health and the health of everyone around me. Thank God, like, well, and this is like, I'm very grateful that no one in my family had had any bad experiences with COVID. I have family members who have had COVID, but thank God it was only with like mild symptoms. I'm grateful for my for my daughter, for my husband. I'm grateful that I'm able to spend like every day with her. I ex- struggle, like you were saying, you had an anxiety. I, ex- I struggle with anxiety at the beginning too, when I thought, with the thought of returning to work and not being able to be there for her. And then the pandemic hit, like it was so, so many things on my mind that I couldn't sleep. I I had a really, 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 I struggled a lot during, right, like when she was three months old, that I had to return to work. So mm-hmm. I'm just grateful to be able to be here today with her and spend 24 hours, seven days a week with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that my husband is supporting me on that. I'm also grateful for Breast Month because that's our little community, our friends. I really consider like every follower a friend when they send us a DM. It's just, I don't know, it feels like we're all close. So Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. And for me, I'm grateful for so many things. But of course, my life, my health, my supportive family. And one of the biggest things that I'm definitely grateful for is my friendship with Stephanie, because I think I wouldn't have become so far in my motherhood journey in a positive way without her, without her pushing me, encouraging me, and just pushing me to be the best woman and mother that I can be for sure. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm grateful for you too. You better be. Awesome. Do you want to talk about either one of you? You can either give a best or worst parenting advice you've ever received, which I think we, I think I know kind of where it's going to lead, but what do you think is the best or worst that you've gotten? So best for me has been definitely to trust my instincts as a mom and to always trust that I'm trying my best in whatever situation it is that I'm always trying my best. If I get frustrated, it's okay. If, you know, I'm having a bad day as a mom, that's okay. You Mm -hmm. know? And to always trust your instinct, again, when you become a mom, and even when you're pregnant too, so many people are in your ear telling you what to do, what not to do, that it gets overwhelming and you just kind of, oh my goodness, it's a lot. So definitely trusting your instincts. Yeah, and we need to remember, like moms are humans too. Like humans have good and bad days and Mm -hmm. we're still good moms. So I guess I agree with Emily on that. Like that's the best advice I received. Just trusting my instincts, know that I'm doing my best. And for worse advice, I have plenty. (laughs) But I think the worst advice that anyone can give is that when someone is pregnant and then you start saying or like all the bad things of motherhood, like, oh my God, sleep now because later you won't or like be like eat now because when you have kids, you are no longer going to eat in peace or 
take a long shower because after you you become a mom, you won't be able to. So those are things that we don't want to hear when we're pregnant and when, when we are about to become moms. So I think that needs to stop yes. because it's horrible <laughs> and it doesn't help anyone. Mm-mm. So I that for me, those are the worst like advice, which yeah. might not be advice, but it's just unnecessary comments. I had a lady, I think I was like six months pregnant and a lady was like, oh, congrats. And she's like, yeah, my partner's girlfriend, she just lost her baby, like in the midst of the same. And I'm like, okay, I received a comment like that. It was somebody at work, but it was a co-worker of mine who told me, told, she was asking me like, do I have a birth plan? Like, what do I want to do? And I was telling her, you know, I want to have a vaginal birth. I wanted to be without medication, blah, blah, blah. I told her I was going to only have my husband and my doula in the room with me. That was the rule. And she was like, okay, well, just letting you know that one of my friends actually got divorced after she had the baby because her husband couldn't get over the trauma of her birth. Are you kidding me? Why would you tell that to a mom who's going to give birth right. in the next few weeks? Really? Trying yeah, to like, 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 I'm sure like I, at that point you want to be like, honey, I'm sure it's not because of the trauma of the birth that why he left. I'm sure there was other underlying issues. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's such a beautiful experience. Like for my husband, I think that was his the best day of his life. Mm -hmm. Like when he saw my husband was all up in there. And I did, I was like, Are you sure? And he's like, he was like with the I'm like, hello, can you come? He was like, he would like wanted to see the full picture. So yeah, I'm sure there was underlying issues in just the baby. People just say, like, you want to be like, where do these comments come from? Like, yeah, don't mention what they're not going to go through. Don't mention that someone else, of course, anyone who lost it, absolutely, you know, a miscarriage. But, you know, I'm still, anything can happen. I can lose my, you know, and that's, you know, I was like, oh, God, I was like, oh, push those vibes away. And I just stood there like awkward, like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, okay. Mm Just take the negativity and push it away. Just look yep. at a pregnant mom and be like, you are beautiful. Congrats on a healthy baby, successful baby, and walk away. <laughs> yeah. And then and the other comments too, like when you're pregnant, like my my belly was big. And so people were, were like, are you sure you're not due today? Are you sure you don't go, need to go to the hospital? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like, or, or things like, oh, you look tiny when you see a woman that doesn't have a big belly. So those things, you, you just don't say it. Yeah. Or, well, and when you have the baby, all those comments or unsolicited advice, like, oh, just leave your baby to cry because that will help her develop her lungs. So we heard that a lot. Like, that's a belief in, in at least in Venezuela. Like, if you leave babies oh, yeah. to cry, that's good for their lungs. <laughs> or, or just leave them, cr- like, crying. That this I hear a lot, too. They're going to get spoiled. I yes. know because she's going to get spoiled. Don't That's what carry, I was going to don't say. Don't carry the baby too much. Right, okay. because she's going to get accustomed to your arms. I'm like, they are already accustomed to us. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, I had oh goodness, I lost my train of thought of what the advice was so much. Oh, when after I had my son, we went out for our first walk. Not first walk, but I was like walking and I was baby wearing him and I'm looking and I thought I felt so good. And then someone wrote, Oh, you look really tired. You should rest <laughs> on my on my Facebook post. And I'm like, Oh, and I was really feeling good that day. I was like, I got out of the house again. They didn't know inside I'm dealing with anxiety and uh-huh. what it took for me to get out the house. And it's like, oh, you look tired. You should rest. And I thought it was a nice smiley picture. And I'm like, then here comes the, oh God, I do. Yeah. Well, it happened to me at work too. Like when I was pregnant, like one of my coworkers came to me and she was like, you look really tired today. Are you okay? And I'm like, I feel fine. Now you're like, maybe I am. 
That's not nice. Mm-hmm. So unnecessary. We'll have a few more questions. What has motherhood taught you? For me, I think it taught me that I'm stronger than I thought and that I'm enough. And I feel like I just keep discovering things about myself every day that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So it just keep like I just keep learning from it. And for me, definitely that I'm a very resilient person, Mm -hmm. that I'm very patient. I didn't know that I could ever be as patient. And also that I continue to discover who I am as a mom. And I think that's very cool to continuously learn about myself Mm -hmm. and who I am as a mother and who I'll continue to grow into, you know, as time changes, baby has different stages and all of those things. So yeah, it has taught me a lot. I'm grateful for what I've learned. Awesome. Do you ladies have any other final thoughts to the podcast world? Well, so this is our first podcast, as we mentioned at the beginning. So for any mothers that are listening, I would like to say you're enough. Trust yourself because no one knows your baby better than you do. Don't do anything you don't feel comfortable with. And well, we breast moms are here for you if you need anything. Mm -hmm. And For my part, I just want to let any mommy listening that you're doing a great job. Please stop doubting yourself and your instincts. Please stop listening to the negative comments and constant criticism. You're truly the best mom for your baby. Of course, follow us on at Breast Moms and join our community of support and encouragement for mommies. And we look forward to seeing you over there. We have so much in store. We can't wait to share with you guys. Awesome. And when this post, I will definitely put in my show notes where they can follow you. Do you guys have a website? Do you have a website yet or just IG right now? Yeah, just IG for right now. Okay, so I will connect you ladies on there. It's been a pleasure. Nice meeting you both. And hopefully we can connect. If not, we still have a community online. So that's all that matters sometimes. So thank you, ladies. Have a good day. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. Please share this episode, download it, rate, review, and subscribe to my show if you haven't already done so. And tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her motherhood journey. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.